Welcome to Let's Talk Records. We are talking about a Bleacher's album today called Strange Desire, which is super exciting. Um, we've been wanting to talk about this album for months. <laughs> finally, <laughs> we're finally here. Um, and I'm really excited. I first discovered this album probably back in yeah probably 2014 2015 it came out in 2014 so um and the first I remember the first song I heard was roller coaster definitely was introduced to them more by my partner by Megan um but I remember specifically seeing like the roller coaster video um and the first thing that struck me I think the most about bleachers was just how 80s (laughs) Yes. <laughs> How 80s it was. Um, and I it was another one of those like CDs that just became part of the rotation in the car when we were driving places. But yeah, I think uh, what what's cool, I think, about this album is and up until because the so the three singles that were released from this album were Roller Coaster, Shadow, and I Wanna Get Better. Those were the three singles. It's really interesting because just having heard those three songs, those three singles prior to purchasing the CD when, when we, when we did, you would never know that there's a huge story arc going on in this album. Like there is, there's a story being told and you would never know just how artistic and talented and in depth and in depth. Yeah, absolutely. Until you listen to the whole thing. Yeah. And so that was, that was sort of my first impression, like really getting to know that album was just number one, how, how, how it all ties together and really just the storyline that's happening and, you know, whoever, (laughs) whatever character is, is, which I think it's just Jack. It's just, it's very personal. I think we'll get more into that from point of view. Yeah. Point of view. Um, but it's really personal and, and I love that. I, this is definitely one of my, one of my, I mean, obviously I wouldn't have picked it, but if I didn't feel this way, but one of my favorite albums of all time, um, I love that there are peaks and valleys of this album. I love how relatable it is. I love how it's changed for me over time, just based upon experiences that I've had in my life, um, and how it's matured along with me. Um, and I just, this is really where my like affinity for Jack started. Cause he's done a lot of great work with artists that you and I both really like, um, and is really the talent behind some of the most famous pop songs. <laughs> like, so it's really cool. Yes. Um, he's an incredible, incredible musician and producer and, just an all-around artist so and this is definitely where I I started with him um and have followed his career ever since so it's been cool I think sound wise this album I would equate to songs that you would hear in like a John Hughes film which is directly where his intention came from that his like pitch for Bleacher is is late 80s, early 90s, John Hughes, like cinematic universe. Exactly. And it, I mean, nails it on the head. Sorry, that pitch, but then the amendment of with contemporary 
production, which I think yeah. is important. Um, and we'll we'll get to that where I where I kind of was like, okay, here here's where it's working. Here is where like maybe I don't know, it's an experiment. But regardless, he hit the nail on the head. It almost kind of seems like a tribute. Like yeah. a John Hughes tribute album, right? Yeah. And it's so funny because his whole aesthetic is super retro and vintage in 80s and 90s. Like, yeah, he, he's his, a modern Bruce Springsteen. A hundred percent. And yeah. his, I will definitely choose his latest album as something for us to talk about at some point okay. because Bruce Springsteen is literally in one of the songs. I did know that. Yes. Yeah. And I thought that was kind of funny. The circle. Like he is this kid from New Jersey that dresses like Bruce Springsteen and like he's gotten so good that he's mm-hmm. now collaborating with Bruce Springsteen. Um, yeah. But I see why, like, cause he does it very well and he hits that era on the head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good stuff. It's really good stuff. It, so that's sort of like where I found the album, how it came to me. Um, as far as just Jack, as an artist, like I really, I wanted to share and I'm sure you have stuff to share too. Um, I wrote sort of like a, a whole, or tried to sort of write a culmination of his career and like how I feel about him personally. So like I had already said, he's had his hand in a lot of really famous pop songs. Um, he's a multi-instrumentalist, so he can play pretty much anything. He's a songwriter and a record producer. Um, and I said, he just might be one of the coolest people in the music industry. Um, I agree with you. He's just so cool. Yes. <laughs> like if he doesn't go down in history for like his long list of musical projects, like that he's been involved in, like, like he's got to be in the rock and roll hall of fame at some point. Like if he's yeah, not, I think it's, it's coming. No, oh, no. I know he's like young and shit. He hasn't like hit that like age yet what? where they're like, isn't that the craziest part? Yes. Like- he's so young. He's so young and there is so much more that we're going to get. So already the work that he's done would warrant like accolades and, you know, putting him in the history books and that induction to rock and roll hall Hall of fame. What the hell is he going to do in the next like 20 years? (laughs) I know. I know. It's crazy. And he, cause he started, well, he started touring when he was like 15, 15, yep. got the record deal at 18. Yeah. He's 37 right now. Yeah. This career insane is t- like just on 20 years and he's already, you know, accomplished so much more than some other people just, I mean, based on being an artist in his own right. And then the, those production credits for just helping other artists like develop their sound. Mm-hmm. That's insane. He's it's like four jobs in one though. He's mm-hmm. kind of not human. <laughs> yeah, he's doing so much all the time while yes. also writing his own music. And it's like yeah. crazy and not to me. Skimping on any of it. No, and it's just, it's so good. And there is like something so incredibly palatable about his sound in particular. Like I yes. I my point my partner Megan is like a huge, huge fan of Lana Del Rey. And there's one song um called chemtrails over country clubs i think it's you're called. right chemtrails yeah. over yep yep and i was like this sounds and i knew that jack worked with lana del rey but i was like this literally sounds like a jack antonoff song like yep and what's funny is i was doing research about this album and there's a lot of shit there's a lot of shit that jack gets for like 
things sounding too similar. Like that album and Lord's album came out, I think around the same time. Um, and there was, he got a lot of flack for like them sounding similar, which were both, they were both records that like he helped, um, write songs and record and produce. So anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, <laughs> but he started, he really became big when he was the guitarist and sometimes drummer, I think for fun. I believe so. Yeah. It, yeah. He did a lot in fun and I think all of those members are pretty multi-instrumentalist, but I want to, before we get to fun, because yeah. oh my God, there is quite a lot to say. Um, I want to start off in chronological order. So he started off in a band called Steel Train mm-hmm. and Steel Train was on a record label called Drive Through Records and Drive Through Records housed both something corporate and Newfound Glory, as well as, you know, a multitude of other bands coming from that era. And it's very interesting to think about that. Mm-hmm. that yeah, well, was it was a punk board. band. It was like a big, big punk right. band. Yeah. And coming through drive through records, there are so many people that have come off of that label that have gone on to do some like really incredible work um, and grown and changed. But just seeing him come from that world, mm-hmm. I did not realize that until now. Mm-hmm. So he goes on and does Steel Train. They do very well. He moves on to fun mm-hmm. and that's where things blow up. Yeah. Right. Well, he, w- I was watching an interview and he was talking like, he's like talking about how still train did pretty well. Like they had sold out shows and stuff, but, um, then in fun, he was like, Oh, I could, you know, like I could hum my song and people knew who it was. And I'm like, man, that must be like such a cool feeling. And they did, they did really blow up. 2010 was when we are young came out and changed the world right yeah and then go on and all I could think was wow (laughs) to then start your own project Mm -hmm. and just trust in the universe that it will be worth your time or worth your money or you know like art I guess worth your time isn't part of the conversation but when you're in the music business and you're literally investing hundreds of thousands of dollars Mm -hmm. and risk into a new project when you've already, you know, have this, this fun band that they could be still working today and be as big as ever. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. and to, to go down this other path is very telling of, you know, his risk factor and his Mm -hmm. belief and the art that he knew he wanted to make. So, but he's got the Jack Antonoff Midas touch because bleachers also blew up. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I still feel like they're not that bleachers is not as big. I don't think as Lord or Donna, Lana Del Rey, like no. who can say Lana Del Rey, Lord, Taylor Swift, St. Well, no, actually probably not St. Vincent, but you can say those names to people and they know who they are. But if I go, Oh, you know, one of my favorite bands is bleachers. They're like, who's that? Yeah. Which is, which is great because I, and this is why I really love him is he's doing all these things and he has his hands in all these projects, but he's still creating this music. And it's really, he's doing it for the sake of making art for the sake of being able to create a song with Bruce Springsteen because he can, and he like puts that out into the world and he's humble about it. Like very humble. No, about like like people aren't saying Jack Antonoff's name on the street. Like 
No. Very, and I don't mean that in a bad way either. I just mean like he's the secret ingredient in so many things. Right. They're not saying his name, but they're talking about his work yes. everywhere. Yes. There is not a corner of the last seven years that he has not influenced at this point. Like mm-hmm. it is pretty crazy that he has continued to make his own stuff, but been working on the tops of the tops. Like, yeah. There's really not much higher he could go. And no bleachers, like I wouldn't even say bleachers is, is as big as fun was in their prime. I mean, fun yeah. had car commercials. Like right. everyone knew we are young. It's pretty crazy to look at the period of time that it took them to blow up, which was nothing. Mm-hmm. And the thought and marketing and just like effort put towards it. Like it was, it definitely wasn't a random success. He released the album and then immediately went on to do a summer of a handful of tours, including um, Boston Calling. Mm-hmm. Um, he did Lollapalooza, Outside Lands, and like a few other ones, all in that first summer. And that is, it's smart. It's, it's, mm-hmm. that's called working smart in the music industry. Yeah. And he, he blew himself up, but I, I still see it as a, um, an indie success, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. He's still, he was, he was really, really big and people were talking about him. And I mean, just to come off of fun and have that happen again, it's pretty rare. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think you're, I mean, yeah, you're right. It it was really smart the way that he was like, okay, here's the album and I'm going to hit the ground running and just share it with the world right away. Yep. So, and he got he got he got lucky to to be able to do that he did it is definitely so. part luck and then part hard work and i think he had both and connections too oh like and yeah absolutely had the success of fun and then was able to do something like this and was able to establish like his own platform not everyone takes that opportunity in the way that he did though and i think yeah. that's something to say. I think he's a very smart businessman. Like hundred percent. Holy F does he have control over what he's doing and he knows yeah. what he needs to do. And I, I just looking at the timeline of what happened when he released the album and then, you know, all of those tour plans and those festivals and everything they did, mm-hmm. it's just so smart. Yeah. And like, God, you blew up, but you earned every second of that because you like made a plan of attack and you did it. Yeah. Yeah. And seeing them live. I mean, I've, we've shared like our favorite live shows before. This is my second favorite show I've ever seen. Wow. Live. They're amazing. I've seen them twice. I saw them in Boston. I think I saw them. They were on tour with this album. So I saw them. They were you saw them in Portland, Maine. You saw, I saw them in State Theater. I did see them in Portland, but I also saw them in Boston. I saw them at House of Blues. At House of Blues. Yeah. And they're on tour with this album. And that's another kind of like indication to me, like, okay, who, especially male energy as a front man, (laughs) like, what does that feel like? How are they interacting? And it's so fun. It's so much smiling and interacting with the crowd and like making jokes and introducing everyone in the band and everyone's involved in everything. And he's not stealing the spotlight. Like, wow, that's what's really cool is like, a lot of times your focus is on the person who's singing the whole time. That's that's where you're drawn to. But he makes it about 
the whole experience. That's how I felt at least. Yeah. Um, and it's all about the crowd around you too. Like the energy that the band is putting off is going to affect the energy of the people that are around you. Are they being, you know, respectful of your space? Are they, you know, it's just, there's so much that goes into it, but that was honestly one of them. And I'm not always a huge fan of going to see shows at house of blues. Cause Boston, as you know, Boston kids can be assholes. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it depends who you're seeing for sure. Yeah. But the and bleacher kids, bleacher were... kids were so sweet. Everyone wow. was dancing. Everyone was just having like the best time and it was awesome. So I want to talk about that you touched right on that. And that is such an interesting thing that always captivates me when someone starts a project and it is a solo project kind of, but it, it goes under a different name and, you know, they are depending on this band with them and they are able to involve everyone. And I think it is pretty interesting. You know, we talked about Aaron with the almost, and I think he does such a great job of doing that as well that, you know, these band members are part of the show and you see it. Um, it makes me think of Paris. And even though recently it's come to light that, you know, we all knew it, but finally her bandmates were like, you need to take credit for it. Lynn Gunn was the one writing all of the, all of this music and kind of orchestrating this vision. And yet, you know, now that we know it's her project, it still feels like an experience with all of these like band members. It's very interesting when Mm -hmm. people do that. And I think it does take a a certain level of like humility and just love for the project. Right. Mm -hmm. So I I'm glad to hear that he's another one of those. Cause I'm always so impressed when that happens. I think that's cool. Yeah. Well, when you leave the concert going, it's so cool that their saxophone player is from Maine. Yeah. That's when you're like, Oh, I learned something about somebody else in this mm-hmm. band that is a solo project for Jack Antonoff, but he, you know what I mean? So I was yeah. like, Oh man. Cause that, that when we were like seeing them in Portland, he was like, this is his hometown. That's awesome. His parents and that's what's are important. <laughs> that's so, great. Yeah. That makes a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Such a cool person. One more thing that I thought was cool. He did the soundtrack or had his hand in the sound. Oh, produced the soundtrack. There we go. I was looking for the word. Produced the soundtrack for I Love Simon, which is a movie about a kid who comes out as gay in high school. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. A great movie. If you haven't watched it, it's incredible. Okay. It's not your stereotypical like LGBTQ movie, which I loved. Um, absolutely amazing. I and the soundtrack is amazing. I literally have a playlist on my phone for that. And I didn't know until I was doing research that he produced the soundtrack. So I was like, wow. fuck, because one really of his songs does is do everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. He also did start his own music festival um, called Shadow of the City, which takes place in New Jersey, which is where oh, cool. he's from. Just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't really name anyone else in the scene doing what he's doing right now Yeah, in the whole industry. I think for real there's got to be like seven of him and he's just like lying that it's only one. Yeah. How's he doing all of it? I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I would love to know what your, I'm dying to know what your first impression is. Cause I know I've, I've I've talked to you about bleachers before, you know, about bleachers. Was this your first time listening to the whole album? 
Yes. Yeah. Okay. 100%. They've so always been on it. my peripheral, but I've never, not that I haven't cared, but I've been like, oh, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Um, and I just like hadn't yet, but mm-hmm. I've, I've known of their existence and I know what Jack Antonoff does, like who he's produced with. And I've always like respected him. Um, but this is definitely my first time, like actually listening to bleachers. I will say that I knew it was a little eighties and that kind of deterred me because I don't love eighties things. So that was kind of hard for me to swallow. And that's, I think a big part of why I've never like made myself do it, but I'm glad I had a reason to explore it because I was way more pleasantly surprised than I thought I would be. Um, I did like fun back in the day. Like they were a bit more on my peripherals. Um, I will say that I saw them play with Jack's mannequin in 2008, but I didn't watch any of their set and I could kick myself. That was back when fun, I believe they had more than three members at that point. That's what I remember. That was way before the days of we are young. That was like when they were first starting. Um, so I, I think, yeah, so we have, I have seen him, but I didn't watch him. So, um, big, big regret. Um, (laughs) but I, I liked this album a lot. Um, I was really interested to follow it in a lyrical way in that story arc. I definitely started picking up on that and was like, wow. Okay. Um, I'm thinking about it in that way. I really enjoyed learning much more about him. I think there's a lot of things that um, changed my perception of him, uh, specifically thinking about how he was launching this and doing all of the things I said when I said he was being a smart businessman um, at the same exact time that he was working with Taylor Swift on like recreating her whole kind of persona and Mm -hmm. work for 1989. Yes. Yes. That is really crazy. And I'm sure that's not Mm -hmm. the only project he was working on, but thinking about how big of a project that was. And that was a huge, huge, huge album. Huge. A lot of work to be done. Like that was a whole, you know, a revamp, like brand, yeah. Revamp brand refresh for her and new sound. And, you know, that doesn't come quick. Um, but, and then just throwing, your whole self into making bleachers like work and blow up the way it did and doing Mm -hmm. like seven festivals in a summer and then going on a a long tour and just touring and touring and touring and touring um, and literally doing everything possible. So that was crazy. And then also I really gravitated to um, an interview I found in which he said, when I write songs, I typically hear things in a female voice and then I match it an octave lower so I can hit the notes. Um, and listening to him talk about how he writes and literally the voice in his head is female. And that's kind of where the terrible thrills volume one and two came from when Mm -hmm. he was in steel train, they did volume one, he did volume two for the end of, um, the strange desire era to close it out. And these terrible thrills, uh, pieces are essentially just cover albums, from all female artists that he goes and hand picks. Mm-hmm. The first one that he did with uh, Steel Train includes Scarlett Johansson, very interesting, Tegan and Sarah, and I was very delighted to see Amanda Palmer, who, mm-hmm. if you're not familiar with her, she was in the Dresden Dolls. Um, she had, you know, she's had a bunch of her own solo projects, a variation of her name in there. Um, and 
um, is much more of a dis multidisciplinary artist than just a, um, a musician. But seeing that and then seeing that he worked with Yoko Ono mm -hmm. and some of the other people he's worked with, it's very interesting to see the range of people that he um, clearly gets inspiration, looks up to, and collaborates with. Um, mm -hmm. So that kind of put me on a whole different perception of him. And um, I don't know if I, I've gone back and forth if I feel sad about that's his process or if, like, that's cool. I feel sad about it in the way that's like, like, wow, that's just like never getting the right shade of blue or whatever that mm. holdup is. Isn't that um, the whole point of art though? Like you're, ne you're always searching. Always like just out of reach. Yeah. Not always. I mean, I think there are plenty of times, probably more often than not that you, you do it and it might take a while to get there, but you have that moment and you're like, Oh, this is perfect. This is it. That's okay. what I That's wanted. true. So I think it's more rare that you can't get exactly what you want. And I just can't. That turns me inside out. <laughs> 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 that is like the craziest thing. And I think it's interesting how he's like gone about rectifying that and mm -hmm. making it work for both his voice and then like kind of turning it over to trusted female um, colleagues in the industry. But like, I don't know. That was, I think that's a, a fun, fa sad fact, a fun fact, sad fact. It's an interesting <laughs> fact that um, defines him as an artist for me. Mm -hmm. He's, it's almost a little tortured artist and not totally. Like a, yeah. He's being annoying emo way, but like, damn, that is really sad. <laughs> oh my God. That's funny that you said that that you said the emo thing because there is this amazing quote that I read in Rolling Stone. Okay. I found it. <laughs> Rolling Stone magazine just like wrote, wrote a really quick review about the album back in the day. <laughs> and it says Jack helped build a sound that brought Eltonian grandeur to the kind of open wound introspection that usually is confined to the dark comfy corners of emo records. Oh my God. I could see it though. Cause I think so much of his like writing, like lyrically, it could be like a dashboard confessional song mm -hmm. or, you know, um, it, it could translate so much into that. Um, so it is funny to see it brought up in this, like, I don't even know what to call it. Like vintage rock and roll. Yeah. It's almost like if you, cause, cause an 80s song was pretty straightforward. Like there was very, it was very rare that you got a song that was like, unless you were listening to like the clash or something that was like, I don't know with hidden messages, I guess we'll call it. Or like every rose has its thorn though. Cause that's like, I feel like there's a lot of ballads that had some like really interesting metaphors or that's true. Here. Yeah. I but know, but that's so, me. that's really, still like, so sweet like cherry pie doesn't really have anywhere oh it's also a metaphor <laughs> you know but you know what I mean like writing stylistically like that wasn't like huge so no, no it was way more straightforward it was yeah this hot chick dance on a table yeah she's on the hood of my fears. car fuck rock Drugs. and roll baby <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Yes. No, there is, there's definitely a lot more nuance in his writing than yes. like an 80s song would have. But he's um, using that sound and producing. But that goes back to my point of poetry. looking at where he comes back from drive through records. Yeah. There's so, so many of those bands were like kind of in that early 2000s emo era and they were writing a lot like this. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that make sense? Yeah. Like he's yeah. doing the same thing. What was your gem? I am having, I'm still having such a hard time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I think I have to go with Wild Heart. Okay. Because it's a great song. And I think it is such a strong album opener. Yeah. And it is so strong that we see it get used again. The second to last song on the album with a reprise. Um, And I think what a testament to that piece. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the song that I picture when I think about seeing Bleachers live. What that would be like? Yeah, that's what I picture seeing. That's what I picture like vibing in the crowd too. Yeah, there's really good like swells. Yeah, musically, yeah, that like fill your chest. You know what I mean? Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Huge builds. Swells is a great word. It's so cinematic. Yes. It's so cinematic. Um, there is. It's like. And the whole, I don't know, the whole like lyrical movement through the song kind of spoke to me like a tunnel vision and a crazy lost time. Mm. Yes. And yeah, that's great. I wanted to ask you, so there's a lot, he says, he says things about crooked heart and mm-hmm. then obviously about wild heart. And I just wanted to ask you what you think that correlation means, or I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. I, you know, I think I, I wonder what the song is really about because there's the crooked heart, there's the wild heart. There's also the lyric, so put the shotgun back in the glove. Yes. And like, okay, so when you're talking about you said, what was the quote? Tunnel vision of a really bad time or something or a really wild time. What did you say? Yeah. Tunnel vision of a really crazy lost time, crazy lost time. So there's like all of these factors that come into play for me in this song. One is definitely this person like was struggling because they're talking about, they're talking about putting a shotgun back in the glove and essentially not committing suicide, like making a choice to not commit suicide and wait another year. (laughs) For the dream that you the have. First verse. That's the first verse. You get that right away. You're hit with it. And then it's interesting. So when you're talking about, when he's talking about Crooked Heart, I think he's talking about himself. He's talking about like, this is, this is, you know, my, the, he's, he says like a lot, uh, there's a lot about lies and a lot about like Crooked Heart. He's talking about like, I think this like, disdain that he has for like the person he is currently and then when he's talking about finding he's the the lyric has got to find a way to your wild heart right I don't know that he's necessarily talking about one particular person or that like he's in love with this person and he wants to like find a way to their heart I think he's he's anticipating getting out of this dark place that he's in and finding a way to like love someone again or to be, to be vulnerable to love. Like, okay. 
like the longing for it or looking for like looking forward to the future to like get out of this crooked heart feeling and into like a more a better space like a better space a more a safer space I don't know that's how I feel about it because I just I mean I know we do get kind of get into more of like a love feel once we get dive into roller coaster and shadow um but this song doesn't seem particular to a person okay all right I'll look at it that way then well however you want to interpret it I wasn't quite sure because I I do feel like the song is a chase right like he is chasing down this wild heart but um I guess I automatically assumed it was like okay we're we're looking for someone we're looking, you know, he's trying to get to this one person or whatever, but like, I kind of like it that way. Um, because the lyrics are so personal to the, like, whoever the person, whoever that character is sitting in the, in the car. Right. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I could buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I do have to point out that the beginning of the song with the repeating synth keys. Yes. Does that remind you of anything? No. Okay. Should it? Yes, you should go listen to Baba O'Reilly by The Who. Okay. All right. Afterwards. That's so funny. Yeah. It's it's that song that's like Teenage Wasteland. Yes. yes. Oh my God. Starts off the same way. I get it now. Yep. 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 Same thing. Interesting. I was like, oh my God. And I hadn't thought about that until I was like listening to it. And I was like, what does this remind me of? What an interesting like call. And that is not the um, only callback to classic rock through this album that we will mm-hmm. find. There are hundred percent other references. hundred percent. Yes. So what was your gem? Um, my gem was like a river runs. Okay. So um, we're going <laughs> to, we're really so just. I'm going to start this right off. There's a wild heart reference in this song. There, well, that it pops up in many, many parts of the yeah, album. You are correct. Yeah. But this is one of them. So that's funny that you chose that. I, yeah, that is funny. Oh, man. So, okay. What's really interesting about this song, we're going to die. We're going to get a little deep here and a little, I might get a little weepy, but hopefully, hopefully not. Okay. <laughs> hopefully not. Um, I am going to get my period. I have cried like four times already today. So, um, open the floodgates. This song is really interesting. So, okay. For anyone who has experienced loss, you know that putting loss and grief into words is just extremely difficult. Like I had a professor in college tell me I wrote, I had to, we had to like write about something that was like profoundly difficult in our lives. And I wrote about the loss of my grandfather. And I remember like handing the paper in whatever. And my professor like wrote on the paper they were like, sometimes it's too early to write about things like this. Maybe you should try again, like try writing about it like later on down the road once those feelings have sort of evolved. And I will always think about that because some part of me thinks that that's bullshit. But the other part of me is like, it's so true because if, once you experience like true, like heartbreaking loss, it evolves over time. So anyway, this song has always been on a playlist on playlists for me and since before my dad died so we'll we'll make that note okay I had made a playlist 
back in the pandemic before my dad died when I was working, I wasn't, I was working from home at the store. I was working at, it had closed and we were getting ready to go back to work because things had like calmed down a little bit. And we, I had made a playlist called back to work and this song was on it. And it's funny looking back at it now because like, <laughs> it's a pretty like sad song, <laughs> but like at the time I was just like, man, this is, this is so good. Like I'm vibing with it, you know? Mm-hmm. And then one day after my dad had passed, I put this playlist on and this song came on and I was like sitting in the parking lot, just like, holy fuck. Like this is just a masterpiece when it comes to describing emotions that you feel when you've lost somebody. So like a couple of lyrics that like just totally like struck me in the heart. (laughs) I woke up thinking that you were still here. Um, And I get that feeling that you're somewhere close. When I fall asleep, I can see your face. What I lost in you, I cannot replace. And if you see me in the darkness, I hope you know I'm not alone. I carry you with every breath I take. Like those things, like saying those things, like they didn't mean anything before. And now they mean everything. And it's like, it's just so, it's just, I, to be able to like write about it in a way that is just so relatable to anybody who's experienced loss and just puts it so simply but is so true it's hard to do so and to just create a beautiful song like musically the drums are rolling like they're carrying you through like a river runs like through the whole song like it's really like a chugging and that's I mean that's kind of how you experience life when you've experienced loss it's like you're just kind of rolling through so musically I think that you know the way that they did that they did it matches sort of the tone of the lyrics um and to kind of give insight into Jack's history he lost his sister to brain cancer when he was in a senior in high school and his sister was 13 So, and he has talked very openly and publicly about his grief journey and his loss and how really it's shaped and probably will shape everything that he's done musically in his life. Um, And it's just a common theme and it is like a common theme, not only in this album, but in his second and third album. But yeah, this song is just super special to me. I, I sent it to my aunt, my dad's sister after I had listened to to it that day and I was just like listen to this alone if you get sad when you listen to music that makes you (laughs) it may remind you of certain people who are no longer here um but it's great how a song is able to just like strike a very specific feeling so perfectly that makes you feel less alone And there was a really great interview um, with Jack where he was talking about his experience with grief. Um, And he wrote a song on his second album called Everybody Lost Somebody. And he was talking about how like you could be you could be going through and experiencing grief and feel so isolated and alone. And anything that helps you like relate to anyone is so incredibly helpful. So to to write something like this and put it out into the earth 
out into the ether, like does so much more than just produce a good song, which is what it used to be to me. But then it turned into something else, which is really like a place you can go to, to feel sad and be, and be recognized for that and, or to feel recognized for that without having to feel ashamed for still being sad about something and not having moved on already. So it's, um, really special to me, really incredible, incredibly written and, you know, sounds great, but it's, it's also just a space I can visit, which is really cool. I love that. And there are so many simple lines, like I will remember your light really caught me Mm -hmm. and it's just, it's just nice. And it's, yeah, it doesn't, the song doesn't push you to, um, even process anything as, like a listener, it just yeah. lets you like sit, but it, it is interesting. There's like kind of three aspects to this that speak to your like chugging along. It feels like the song musically keeps a pace and then, you know, you have a river and literally the title is like a river runs. A river is always keeping pace, right? Like a river never stops. Um, and I think this is one of the songs that he uses, um, kind of this drum beat that is like evocative of a heartbeat mm. that really spoke to me. I was like, this sounds like a heartbeat. Um, and putting all of those aspects together, really interesting. Piece yeah. Of art. Yeah. Thanks, Jack. Thanks, Jack. <laughs> Seriously. Thanks, Jack, for, you know, it's always pretty amazing when we can get an artist to put themselves in that vulnerable of a place. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the people that do that always hope that, you know, someone in their audience will connect and it will give them something, even if it's just one person that's changed it for someone else. And, you know, it's changed it for you and I'm sure it's changed it for so many other people. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's just not easy to do that. So that is pretty admirable that he could put a piece of art together and then share it. Yeah. Okay, good. I didn't cry. We're good. Um, moving on. So good. (laughs) We did good. We talked about the first song, which was your gem, um, wild heart. Second song on the album is roller coaster. Mm. I, this was hard. I kind of wanted to pick this as my gem too. I'm surprised you didn't. I, the only reason I picked wild heart over roller coaster is I'm a sucker for an album intro opener. I know you love them. Yeah. That is just like when you craft that, or you decide that, you know, something in your, your lineup should be the opener, but like when it is the opener and it hits, mm-hmm. that is like one of the most impressive, like pieces of an album to me. And I think wild heart is, um, uh, probably on my list of like one of my favorite album openers of all time, which I do have a playlist for that. So I'll open it. Oh I'll, my God. I'll put that in there. Um, and oh. it's, but it's a lot of people don't, a lot of people do not take consideration to that. So wild heart does. But roller coaster is just a fucking bop anyway. Like, mm-hmm. damn, that is a great song. I think for this and this album might make sense for me to have us talk about the videos with the songs since mm-hmm. there were only two official videos anyway. Mm-hmm. But I think that this video hit the song so well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have, this is another one where you have a certain kind of pace. And for this one, you have a driving pace. Mm-hmm. And I think that's exactly what he intended because he does talk about wanting to write songs that, you know, he would be driving at night and 
you know, he'd connect to him and he'd hope that it would connect to someone else. And I think sets out at a park. Um, we have a killer queen reference. So there's our second classic rock, which is really fun. Um, and I think this whole song is like a fast paced memory. Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't know if yeah. you felt that way, but everything felt like it was in retrospect. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And so if we're connecting wild heart roller coaster and we go back to what I said about like opening up from being in this really bad place to becoming vulnerable and searching for love and being open to it. This is, I mean, literally he's saying it was summer when I first saw your face. So I think it's like, okay, here's like this really, you know, winter blues and just like, wow, I'm going to fucking almost end my life and then be like, you know what? I'm going to hold out and like hope and open myself up to good things. And then this is one of those good things that happens, which is like finding love. And like, it's that what I like about this is it's like the ridiculous type of love where it's like, yes, (laughs) you're ready to throw it all away. (laughs) Exactly. Like we're going to travel the entire world and I'm going to do anything for you. And but it's, it's so unstable and like, yeah, quick. Cause there's a line that says it's a hundred miles an hour on a dirt road running away. Mm-hmm. And that to me is like fast and unstable, but it's a thrill. Mm-hmm. Like your car can spin out at any moment. Cause like dirt roads aren't really made to like, you know, hold that capacity of speed, but you're doing it anyway. And for some reason in my mind, you know, if you're going a hundred miles an hour on a dirt road, it's in the dark, it's at night. <laughs> <laughs> it and definitely might be plunging towards the unknown. Yeah. You know? So I thought that was funny. Um, but like a really good in- indication of kind of like what this relationship or experience was. And I think you're exactly right. It's kind of that first time after a really terrible time where you're like, wait, I do have the capacity to like feel a wild heart again. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I love that. So video perfectly done. It's bleachers in a painted up old ice cream truck um, driving along like a looks like a West Coast highway um, following a girl in a vintage car and they're kind of like chasing and it's playful. Um, There's an ode to the like old 60s painted buses and along with that um, them playing on top of the bus is very like 60s, 70s which we'll get to it, but I think that's really funny when you think about the fact that he had Yoko Ono on a song later on. Mm. So clearly there's a little bit of that, um, which lends to like a a fast-paced summer romance kind of crazy time anyway, Um, you know, that like flower child era. Um, But also at the same time of that song, of the video being so like vintage, it's also straight up just a 2014 Urban Outfitters commercial, but I'm not mad at that. That is so good. That's such a spot on reference. I love that. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm super, super pleased with the video. I think they do a great job. I like that the whole band is involved. It's not just two characters, which just, yeah. it's fun. You know, it's like almost like they're on tour and like, it's good. Yeah. Great, great song. Perfectly written. I and see not, why they released it as a single. A hundred percent video. Yeah. And it's a great love song because it's not sugary and it's not like, it's something yeah. different. Yes. Yep. Um, and then we have shadow number three. So eighties, it hurts. Yeah. And it's funny. In a fine way. This is probably the most eighties song on the album and it's not even, I don't musically love it. Like it's not my favorite. Me either. It's those, the 
very 80s vocals at the start was what mm-hmm. it, it made me feel. It's almost a little bit talking heads. Yeah, I can see that. Because it's a little punchy and weird. Yeah. Um, or like a little Devo-y. Um, it's cute. Like the line, if you're feeling small, I'll love your shadow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as the chorus. So that gets repeated. Um, I liked the line, but the heart wants fear. So we're looking for a villain. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, like, it's it's fine. It's yeah. It's like fun. I do think lyrically it's important to like call out what he's talking about here, which I like because he's saying like, let's not be one of those couples that just gives up when things sure. are hard because um, he's saying, but how love, how love dies is a place that I'm not going, I think is the lyric. Yes. Right? Yeah. And he's saying like, I, I'm going to try to be here for you. Yeah. I'm going to love in your, your shadow if you feel small. Yeah. Yeah. So I do enjoy that. Um, and I think it leads into the next song really well. So, but yeah, not my favorite song. I think lyrically was important because it tells a story. Um, it links to two other songs that we'll get to later on. Oh, I'm glad you picked this up too. Okay. (laughs) Cause I think it gets interesting when you look at the other songs in comparison with this song. So I'll leave my thoughts with that song there and then I'll have more interesting things to say about it later on okay okay and then (laughs) (laughs) I love it and then so number four I want to get better was almost my gem it was really a toss-up it's a super good song Bleacher's biggest song in the world ever I would say even still yeah definitely but it's anthemic and it, it it deserves to be that way yeah and I mean there's a huge message there right and we're talking about mental health we're talking about I want to get better like live I lose my shit to this song because it's just so I can see that it's and so I'm good. sure everyone does yeah it's just a big you know it's like the last song they play it's just oh cool yeah it's so good um but this is this is definitely a song that's like this is a breakdown <laughs> like yes. this person oh yeah you know what it also is mm. to call back to we are young why do you say you wanna, that? You want to hear? Because um, there's a line in this song that says, while well, my friends were getting high and chasing <gasps> girls. And there's a line in the 2012 fun song, We Are Young, that says, my friends are in the bathroom getting higher than the Empire State. And when I wrote these two lines down, I underlined were in the first line from the Bleacher song. And I underlined are in the fun song. Wow. And it's literally a call back to his time and fun wow fucking genius and i love you love this shit because they're like the two biggest songs from those bands and i was ecstatic when i found that i Mm -hmm. i read that line and i went hmm this sounds familiar and then i sung it out loud and i was like holy shit when i hope he realizes that wow because that is goddamn genius whether that was subconscious or conscious there was an intention there Oh, this is where we need to, we need to make a, we need to be bigger on Twitter and we can actually tweet at these people that we're talking about and be like, please tell us this was a question (laughs) in our podcast. Please. We need to know. Um, wow. That is great. I love that. Yeah. Wow. I'm like, and I do, I want to get better is definitely written from the point of view of someone a bit older than someone who would have written. We are young. 
so I, I kind of like looking at it that way too. Like this Menti B is definitely happening in like late twenties, early thirties or older than that. That's funny that you say that because I didn't see it that way. <laughs> I saw it as like, he's in high school and his senior friends That's are doing all the things seniors are supposed to be doing while he's losing his shit. Cause he says, woke up this morning early before my family, For my family. Yep. I, I, and I know why you see that. I get yeah. it. And he makes a reference to his sister. Now that I know yeah. that story, there's a reference to his sister and in, in his dream saying, you know, you got to get better. But I, for some reason, saw this as an adult. I can see, I can see why you saw that too. I think I'm channeling like, we're all going to see like different parts of it. So it's, it makes sense for, yeah. for a younger person though, because this whole album is like, damn, I'm driving to my high school graduation right now. <laughs> so that it is, totally, yeah. but it, isn't that also cool that it, it kind of transcends age and that yeah. makes the relatability factor a little bit like more vast too. Yeah. Well, that's, what's great about music is that it can flip for anyone mm-hmm. and you can, it's you can really see it cool. through any lens. So that's cool. I, I definitely did relate it to his grief for sure. And what I loved specifically about that, that part of the song where he's talking about waking up early before his family uh, from a dream where he said, where his sister is like, you got to get better. But he's like, but I put a bullet where I should have put a helmet and I crashed my car because I want to get carried away. He's like, no. Yeah. (laughs) And what's great about that is that in those moments where you're like supposed to feel better, right? Like if you get a sign from your dead loved one, you're supposed to be like, oh, this is okay. Like, okay, I get it. Everything's falling into place. Sometimes that is just a fucking trigger. And you're like, fuck the world. I don't want these fucking signs or these signs are making it worse because I'm just like having a mental breakdown. So I really liked that he acknowledges that. Like that I, I just was like, yes. Yeah. It's not happy ever after I figured it out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. In a blaze of fear, I put a helmet on a helmet. I laughed so hard at that line. (laughs) (laughs) And the conviction in which he sings it. He's just like, (laughs) it's chaos. He's like, I don't even know fucking, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, I I love it. It's good. Oh, it's a good, good, good song. And I just love how powerful it is during the chorus. So and the, I think that's why it's stuck because, you know, you he, when you hear this song, like you hear the chorus yeah, and that's what everyone recognizes. And I think that is just like one of these songs that exists that for some reason it's like, um, Mr. Brightside by the killers. Mm. Like the chorus is just like, got enough of that stickiness. Yeah. Sticky. Just like the song in my head. Can't help myself. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. We should talk about the video with this one too. Cause do you know who directed yeah, it? I do. Um, okay. I have mixed feelings on her. So at the time he was dating Lena Dunham, um, who is, I guess we can call her a multidisciplinary artist as well. Um, and she has, you know, she's gotten a lot of flack and admiration from a bunch of different groups of people. Um, but she is an interesting person in, um, in media. Um, so she directed the video. I wasn't surprised cause I am pretty familiar with a lot of her work. Um, and I, you know, they're both creative people. Often you see collaboration happen. So 
you know, duh. Um, I didn't like love the video. It was yeah. fine. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I feel that. I think the problem is what you're, at least what I'm looking for. So I, I can't speak for you, but what I'm looking for is a relatable, like, I want to be able to look at a video for this song and be like, I've been there. Sure. Like, it's not, it, cause like, that's what this song is. This song is like, we've all been in a fucking terrible headspace and you just want to get out of it. That's what I wanted to see. Like, I wanted to well, see like relatability. I have a question for you that might clear this up. Um, did you like girls, the show that I Lena liked, wrote I liked in- the first like two seasons. And then after that, I didn't, I fucking hate that show. I recently, I I think I tried to watch it years ago and got distracted. I recently, during my time in the queue, when I had COVID, I was like, I'm going to watch this show. Um, Ashley and RC had just gotten an HBO subscription. So I was like, I'm caught up on every, all my usuals. Like, fuck it. Let's watch girls. Let's give this a chance. I think I got three episodes in. I kind of can't stand her style of she like she drags out the mundane and I also read her her autobiography over the summer at a place I was um, house sitting at um that was just like the only interesting thing on the shelf and I was like you know what when whenever else am I gonna read this book just say it I can't stand her (laughs) And not even for like the reasons everyone else, besides all the reasons everyone else is a problem. She, so I went to art school and she is like just the person that I cannot fucking stand. No, I I completely. Very interesting seeing that they had a long relationship. And I mean, granted, like she may not be that way in real life. And there's, there are aspects of her that I actually do like. Mm Mm-hmm. But I, we would not be friends if that is who she is. Yeah. Oh, she's just, but her art style and the way she lives her life, her art style is very like, I'm, I'm going to show that I'm so deep and like the most just fucking mundane things that I think don't reach her audience. And she thinks she will. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's what this video was. That's why I was like. Yeah, of course she directed it. And yeah, I see it because it felt like an episode of Girls. Painful. And like, I get it. I get the fucking point. I get it. They're in therapy. I fucking get it. Can we do something else? I love, I love that. Do you? Because I feel like a jerk now. No, no. I, first of all, you know that I love when you're deeply passionate about hating something. (laughs) I think it's like one of my favorite (laughs) things that you exude. Cool. Because I don't <laughs> like her as an artist at all. Wow. Love it. Love that you hate it. <laughs> they had they had a great start where he had the fight with the girlfriend and then he like spilled the coffee when he like jumped a curb in his car. Mm-hmm. We were off to a good start, but I think once they sat down and it was just office, bad. Yeah. yeah. Yep. 
think that's where it died. So also what could have saved it for me is if at the end, instead of it turning into him, like playing music with everybody who had been in therapy sessions with him, if he had a fucking mental breakdown, I was just about to say, what if he started throwing stuff around his office yeah. and like flipped his coffee table or threw something that would have done it room more for yeah. me. Instead of them just like neatly singing backup vocals. Yeah. I'm like, what is that? I didn't like that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Talk about not getting the treatment it deserves. Yeah. We can move on. Bummer. We can move on. Number five, wake me. So this is going from, I want to get better to this major tone down mm-hmm. is a really interesting shift. Um, I, I may be cynical but I can't tell if I'm being too cynical, but the whole kind of thing about this of I'd rather be sad with you than anywhere away from you made me depresso. Okay. Okay. You're shaking your head. Okay. okay. I'm not just, I'm not just like, I, cause I, I'm sometimes I'm so cynical that I, wow. I'm about to kind of deep shit. So I have a hard time looking at some things in relationships that may just be normal, like compromise, like what happens when you're with another human and that's just the nature of two humans and nothing can be perfect. Um, I have absolutely like an issue with being like, nope, that's not okay. That's a red flag. How could you ever treat them like that? Like you guys are arguing like, uh, don't you think like this is a fucking toxic relationship and you shouldn't be together. Uh, So I'm quick to jump to those things I've noticed because you know what? Sometimes things are just rough for a minute and you have to like work that out or whatever. This one, I couldn't get away from feeling like it was like red flag, red flag, red flag. Well, what's the next song? It, well, and then it got worse <laughs> and then it got worse. And then I looked back at shadow and then I was like, Oh no, I'm right. Yeah. You're all right. Because okay. this, this, so, okay. If we, if we let's step back for a second, we've got shadow, <laughs> we've got wake me and we've got reckless love. So wake me. Yes. Okay. Yes. It is a good song. I do like it. Sure. Like if you're lonely, 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 wake me. That's cute. You're in the middle of the night having a like a sad moment and you wake up your partner like sure yes that is something that does happen however if we look at shadow and we look at wake me this is someone who just came out of a really bad place in wild heart is opening themselves up to be vulnerable to love finds love in roller coaster is like i'm gonna care for the care for you and all of your dark places that you go to in shadow. And then in wake me, still the same thing. Still, I'm giving, I'm giving, I'm giving. There's no take. <laughs> I'm just going to give. And this is pretty stereotypical of somebody who ex- has experienced loss or grief to want to, instead of seeking help, it's let me help you. Like if I can, if I can put my, and and I mean, this is stereotypical of anybody really. If, if you can't deal with your own emotions, I'm just going to take care of everybody else's. Cause that's going to, that's going to heal me. That's what's happening in the song. It's, 
The sacrifice. The sacrifice. Yeah. And you get yourself in a really shitty space because in reckless, in reckless love, he's like, give me a chance to remember what I've given up to defend you. And he's like, I'm standing in a world of my own because he gave so much that now there's nothing for that person to give because he created bad habits. (laughs) And then when you get to take me away, Mm -hmm. he's literally saying, I'll let you take it. I'll let you take it. I know you're sorry. Mm -hmm. Now you're hungry and you want to take me away. Ooh, Mm -hmm. this is bad. We're in bad territory. Okay. I'm glad. I'm glad it's not just me being cynical because all I could see Like I really, I even wrote down like quiet moment of love. And it was like, I don't fucking believe that one. Yeah. I think this just feels wrong. And again, this is where you, and you only feel that way because you've listened to the whole album. If you separate, wake me and you you just listen to it on a whim, you'd be like, oh, this is a really cute song. Like I could dance to the song at my wedding. Yep. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? But yeah, but it's not that. No, no. And that's, it's funny. This is, this is the point in the album where love goes to die, even though he says he's yes. not going to go there. I know. Um, and it is. even when you say you're not, sometimes it's just inevitable. It happens. Right? Yeah. yeah. And I mean, reckless love is, is good. I really liked this song musically. Yeah. I think it's just a really great way, a really great perspective of looking at how you get from a song in a moment, like wake me to here. Why does that happen? It happens because you don't establish boundaries. You don't ask for the same things that you're giving to your partner. And you're right. There are fucking horrible moments where you're like, I am giving so much in suffering over here. I need you to return to me, whether that it's the smallest thing, like saying thank you, or it's the biggest thing, like okay, now it's my turn to have a mental breakdown and now you have to take care of me. But if there's no reciprocation, that's how you end up here. Yeah, it feels like there's no like lifeline from the other side. And mm-hmm. it's hard to tell because it's all written in POV from the main character, but right. it like, really feels like no one else is there. And yeah. he's kind of just talking to a wall. This is the first one that I let myself write down toxic relationship question mark. <laughs> um because the line, I mean, get out, stand back. If you don't let go, you're going to break me. was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I was still at this point, like, am I being cynical? Is this just one of those times where this is like normal for a relationship and this is healthy? But what really changed my mind and was like, this is not okay, was the line, I have burned my dreams away. Mm-hmm. And literally, like, it's not, I've put my dreams away. I've, you know put them on hold my dreams. I have burned my dreams away for this person. Yeah. That's what they've given up. Yeah. That's awful. Yeah. You should never do that. Never. And never anyone you're with should never ever expect or want you to do that. Mm -hmm. Burned my dreams away. Cease to exist. When you burn something, it is gone. It's not even like the line is not like you've burned my dreams away. It's I have burned my dreams away. Mm-hmm. That's your fault. That's your fault, dude. Yeah. Yeah. And then we we get into take me away. 
and it's just a continuation of this is like the breakup this is the end yeah that's the end I was oh yes that's the end for me Mm -hmm. that was where there's no point of no return I mean it's just the whole thing is ugly I broke my silence in an angry yell Mm -hmm. like it's just really awful and it feels very like zombies and it's kind of sad because at the end you get these lines that say love will wake us love won't break us love will take you and if I can find find a way out of myself again but Mm -hmm. it's the end there's also another shadow reference I'll be in the shadows above um it's just like a lot of like I know you're sorry being repeated I felt like a fool oh like it's just messy sludge Yeah. yeah It's just like it's and it's funny because like sometimes I think when you're in that place at the end, you're like, oh, if I could just if I could just do this, it would be better if I could. And it's like, no, 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 it's just done. It's just dead. Like, but that but there's like that glimmer of like, if I could just get myself like out of this place, I would be able to see it clearer. Sometimes there's no clarity. It's just gray. (laughs) Like, Yeah. yeah. How do you feel about Grimes on this song? Because I have a lot to say about this. Grimes, I'm not a huge fan of. I don't mind her in this song because she's peppered in. I don't I don't think it's bad. I think what's cool about it, the muddiness, there's a lot of muddiness in this song. There's not anything that's super melodic. Yeah, melodic. There's not anything that's super melodic about it. It's very much just like drudgy, like like just in a bad dream almost yeah I guess when I look at it in art that way and not like a song I'm trying to enjoy yeah and she was the right choice she was the right choice yeah I also have no like I'm I'm glad he experimented with her and that's what I was talking about with like Amanda Palmer and like all these weird people I think it's crazy and cool to see the like the variants of people that he has opened himself up to work with Mm. I am also not a Grimes fan but I do like her collaborations with um, Bring Me the Horizon and Poppy. Mind Mm. you, both of those are coming from an electronic background at that point as well. It works a little better. This felt it didn't work, but the way you're explaining it, now I'm kind of digging it for art's sake. Mm -hmm. Um, But I felt like, yeah, like just as like a listener of music, I was like, oh, God. It's not pretty. It's not. And I... But I will not buckle. I hate the stupid sound she makes after the song is over. And is it like the? Is it? Oh yeah, it's like the. That sound. That sound. Yeah. Go back and figure out if it came from the end of that song or if it started at the beginning of like a river runs because I was like, wait, what? What was that? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah, it's kind of like falling into the pit of a bad dream. Yes. Not meant to be like easily easy listening (laughs) no yeah I I think you're right it's yeah it's it's kind of more of a piece of performance art which like we will hit that again later on Mm -hmm. so maybe that's you know that's a risk and I respect that highly um but yeah it's like oh I wasn't feeling that one but I can appreciate it yeah I get that and then we have like a river runs right after which is interesting we already talked about it but that isn't interesting like yeah kind of new chapter right it is and it, it totally is and i think when we is this album in three acts i think so okay because i think so that. so 
this is like, okay, I'm out of that relationship. And now I'm reflecting back on where I was in wild heart, but I'm able to see things in like a better, more mature light where it's like, yeah, this like really sucks, but I can articulate it better. I don't feel like I want to kill myself and I'm able to, I'm able to just respect the emotions and evaluate them and really hold them. And then we have, you're still a mystery. So we have um, the one and only strange desire reference. There's a line that says, I was feeling like I never was young, followed a dream and a strange desire. You picked me up in the dead of night and gave me a chance to move on inside of your mystery. So Mm. while we're on this, we have the strange desire but I want to go to the lines. You picked me up in the dead of night and gave me a chance to move on inside of your mystery. Yes. Um, this is a call to, I think it is. Um, this is a, song, a call to style by Taylor Swift where she, he says that. And she says, you come and pick me up. No headlights. The song is also about a mysterious person because there's other lines. That's like, I haven't oh heard my God. Um, I mean, he wrote that song and then wrote this one probably right around the same time or a year later. So, um, yeah, I just wonder if intentional or not, and it might be a bit of a reach, but as soon as I read that line, I was like, I've heard this before, um, from his camp. So that made me laugh. Um, and then I kind of was like, well, I mean, we all know like style is written about Harry Styles, but like, I was like, wow, it's kind of funny. Like maybe like Taylor's character and, and, um, Jack Antonoff's character are like, these are like mirror songs. I love that idea. I think that's a great parallel. I had, I would have never thought about that because I was still stuck on like that. So that line in particular, I was like, Oh, he's talking, he's, it's a callback to, um, to, I want to get better when he's talking about how, um, yeah, how he's talking about how he woke up from the dream where she, where his sister was trying to show him. So he's saying like, you're coming to me in the middle of the night and like showing me something. And that is coming back up in this song. So that's where I was still stuck, but that's, that's a cool perspective too. I would have never caught that. It just, and that was the only reason I read that line and I went, that sounds so familiar and that's just where it came from in my brain that's cool that's cool it's it's funny I so since I had that perspective of like because this song I was like who's he talking about like yeah love being a mystery but here's where my brain went I was saying that by him saying maybe I don't need to understand why your love is such a mystery he's not saying why your loss is a mystery Mm -hmm. because the person's gone, but the love remains and there is mystery there. Like, what do you do with that love when you can't give it back to the person it was there for? So it's just, I think like, instead of, instead of turning it into, I'll never understand why you've, you're gone. It's, I'll never understand, or I'm like, struggling to understand what I'm supposed to do with this love. Like it's a mystery to me what I'm supposed to, where am I supposed to put it? Because it's just sitting like, instead of turning, because really it's so easy to turn 
grief and, and loss into sadness and into just like inner turmoil. But it feels so much better to turn it into love. But then it's like, okay, well, what do I do with that? And what he's done with it is turn it into his career, his music, what he gives back to people. And, and, but that sometimes is still never like satisfying because it's still sitting in you. Like it's still there no matter what. So I, I thought that maybe like, it was a good thing that he was saying, like, it's a positive thing that he was saying, like, I'll never understand why you had to die. He's saying, I'll never understand what I'm supposed to do with this, all this love I have for you. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Maybe I don't need to understand why your love is such a mystery. Wake you up in the dead of night, breaking the lines just to try to get better. And the lines could be that metaphysical space of like this plane and the next. Mm. Yeah. It's a good one. And then we have number 10. I'm ready to move on slash wild heart reprise featuring Yoko Ono. Very interesting person. Very, very crazy that she said yes to this project. Yeah. Such a weird, like, just a weird person to like ask to be a part of your album. I don't know. And the (laughs) fact that she said yes is a, and that's why I'm like, don't worry, Jack Antonoff will get his because if she agreed to work with him on a debut release and she saw something in him that was worth her time because mm-hmm. she does not need money or clout or anything at this point. That's why I'm like, I have no doubt that he will be recognized for his massive, massive amount of talent and, you know, creative contribution. Well, I think Jack showed her who I want you to love. And she goes, oh, my God, that sounds like a song that should have been on Magical Mystery Tour by the Beatles. I'm so glad you said that because I said the exact same thing. (laughs) Holy shit. What was that? Also, that's why Roller Coaster was such an interesting video because I was like, that fucking bus bus. playing on top. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh my God. We'll get to it, but holy F. She's no like, oh, he likes the Beatles. Yeah. Oh, I'm like, John. <laughs> this is I Am the Walrus. Yeah. To the point where I was actually surprised that he didn't try to collaborate. Maybe he did with Sean Lennon on mm-hmm. this song because he will pop up sometimes. He just did something with Miley Cyrus. Um, yeah. Fuck. But uh, yeah, the fact that Yoko said yes to him is a really big deal. And Mm -hmm. she saw it in him. So I don't have feelings about Yoko Ono. um, So I don't know. You know, it is, it's fine. Um, I think she's a cool woman and I think she's done a lot of impact, but like, I just am not moved by her art. I know other people are, and I think that's great and they should be. Mm -hmm. And I think she, you know, she did do so much and still is doing so much. Um, I guess I just don't get it. I don't get her lines. Snow is falling all the time. Snow is smiling all the time. I'm ready. I'm ready to move on. How do you feel about it? Um, I mean, I, I feel like as a whole, the song is very spiritual. I, that's how I feel about it. I think that. I mean, anything she touches is spiritual. So I absolutely agree. Um, and I think that that really resonates in this song. It's kind of like, I mean, snow I don't know. 
is pure. I don't really, I don't really know. I don't know. <laughs> it sounds like a proverb. I know what you're reaching for. You know, like, I'm trying to find. Yeah. And I yeah. do feel this like clearing of energy, like a new beginning, like a fresh start to a new sure. chapter. Like that's kind of how I feel about this song. Um, well, there's something in her voice that's like kind of so innocent and clean mm-hmm. and like hopeful. Yeah. Right. And I think where you're getting the peppered parts of other parts of the album here in this that song. That are just so muted, though. They're so, yeah. like, screened over. But it's, like, reflection. And it's and when yes. we talk about moving on, like, moving forward, it's like, okay, these, these feelings, these experiences, these songs, they still exist within me. But I'm also moving from them as, like, a newer being or like a newer perspective or a fresher perspective like that's kind of what I feel that's what I feel this is I know I've referenced it before but like they kind of did this in eternal sunshine of the spotless mind where you'd get like when he was thinking or when he was in a memory or whatever sound would be distorted yeah and his sound was not distorted his present sound as he was processing this neurologically was clear and Mm -hmm. I get that kind of I guess like because I think that movie is just so genius Mm -hmm. that's what that reminds me of in a way and I think of memory like that sometimes yeah yeah it can be so distorted and that's yeah that's kind of how I see the structure fading away yes Yeah. yeah you're like trying to kind of grab on to parts of it but you can't quite tell or you get you know you get bits and pieces mm hmm and so. in with snowfall, there's silence too. Yes. Like it's and so there's quiet. A cleanliness. Yeah. Yeah. That is it, true. It really is like its own little, and that's again going back to the same thing that I referenced before. Like when you listen to the song as a whole, I mean this album rather as a whole, like this song would never have been released as a single. You would have never known it existed. No. Like, but it's it's an integral to yes tell a story story. yeah but I love that it doesn't end here like I love because it could have it totally could have ended here and just been like okay because it does fade out the way that it cuts the end is very like Mm -hmm. okay end of the album but I think it's genius to have not ended it that way because then you just get this whole new like I don't know I mean I this it it's like an interesting way because it's it's not a bookend which is what I know it's an open-ended way for Jack to carry the same themes on other albums that's what I think okay I see that I mean specifically who I want you to love um just to me it was like giving up I've given up I've I've given up all of it said that it was like shit this person has fucking given up because it's all like I'll do whatever you want me to do I don't even give a fuck anymore that's so funny so I thought of it as like <sighs> I'm interested I, mean, to I did I did I do see what you're saying as okay. far as like because he's like it all fucking hurts me anyway so what's right the why the fuck bother yeah why bother but what I think is great about it is you kind of get this settlement at I'm ready to move on. And when you specifically say I'm ready to move on from this, 
I truly do not think that as people, we really move on from anything that's happened to us as experiences. You know, neither can we just decide to flip a switch and decide to we're ready yeah. to move on. I yeah. agree with you. It just does not work that way. It just takes so much more work. And forever and ever and ever, you may still have moments where you're like, man, that that still actually does hurt me somewhere. There is still a wound there where if I touch it, it stings or a scar, whatever. You can't live like that. And there will be moments where you're just surrendering yourself to the inevitable which is that I will be hurt or I will be disappointed or I will lose that person or whatever it is. And at some point you just have to throw your hands up and be like, fuck, like, you know, and there's those moments where you're just like cynical about it or whatever. And you're like, I could, I could have left the album saying I'm ready to move on. And this is really positive experience. But instead I left the album saying I was there and ready but really life just is fucking hard. <laughs> just fucking hard. Yeah. Yeah. Like that one step forward, two steps back. Yeah. And like, you can't, I think it's great because if we, we, if we do truly just view this as an art piece, you don't have to end it here. No, this definitely, even though I say that I'm, I'm getting like full give up mode here, this is not like you know, this is not the character ending their life. This is not, yeah, it's not a permanent end at all. And it might not even be an end. That's what I mean more with like full give up mode. They're in a moment where they're just like, ah, oh, I mm-hmm. can't do this. Mm-hmm. Um, So that's what I mean more so. Mm-hmm. They're just like, I'm fucking done. It's hard. It's like, I really love the first thing of, um, first verse of, Tired of chasing my dreams, they're always twisting, always scream to follow down the strangest roads and back seats indoors. Like I, I, I get that. I got that as a creator that really resonated with me. So I understand this full give up mode because you're just like this is hard and it hurts, and it's like I, it's unpredictable. And no matter what I do, it just like it doesn't work. So I'll bleed when you want me to bleed. Um, I don't want to know too much of anything because it all hurts me. Like <laughs> I get that. Um, yeah so I respect it but yeah it's it's an interesting way to end the album Mm -hmm. yeah it is but I also I do I do like it and I love that it just sort of the instrumental part at the end because that's the bulk of the song is really after the last lyrics and then it's just instrumental um heavy heavy Beatles vibes but um heavy Beatles vibes I love it though that album is great I love that album by the Beatles so um but yeah it's just very like like drifting off into that like mental state yeah but it wouldn't be life if it was wrapped up with a bow right there are some albums that I really enjoy that they do that in you know they're like yeah here's your present Right. The cycle Here's the closes. Bow on top. Yeah. Yeah. But this, yeah, this doesn't, but I think it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jesus Christ. This was, yeah, this was uh, wild. Mm-hmm. I took a last, I had been listening to it for a while because we decided a while ago we were going to do this. But this morning I um, was like, 
you know what? I'm going to like do my notes, but I'm going to really give myself a refresh. And I really just like, I've been distracted lately. So I was like, I don't want to like be on my phone scrolling while I'm trying to like listen to these songs. So let's go. Like it's a beautiful morning. I went to my favorite Starbucks. I got a great big coffee. And then I just did loops around Memorial Drive and Storrow Drive. So I went from like Fenway to Cambridge and <laughs> did a couple and listened to the whole album. Um, and um, it was a really interesting experience front to back, just like mm. myself, just the album. Great, great album to listen to in a car mm-hmm. and on those scenic drives. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I digested this fully today. So I feel like I really got the experience of like front to back, make myself sit there and really like feel it and listen to it and experience it. Um, Yeah. Crazy piece of work. That's amazing. I'm so glad that you did that. And it is an experience. And I love that you like, I love that you're so particular about choosing how you experience an album in that way. I'm very, yes. Yep. And that's exactly what was happening. So yeah, I'm glad you realize that about me now. Mm-hmm. that's awesome well thank you for going on this journey with me um, thank you for introducing me to bleachers and I'm glad that I um did it in exactly this way because there's so much more to appreciate mm-hmm. that I think um so many people don't even know because there's just so much to know yeah agreed <laughs> I always feel so accomplished I know it feels like a big term paper every time we wrap one of these up I love um, it I do. I do love it so much. Like, I feel like I've just like leveled up a step in, in like my humanities. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And I'm excited. So next episode will be, we'll have our second guest. Something right? like that. Maybe third. Third. Oh, third. Our third. Third wow. guest. Cause Ashley threatened him. And now we're yeah. going to have Matt, your brother on, and we're going to talk about the black keys El Camino, right? Yes. That's another one that it's just like this. I have not ever really I, yeah. dove into the Black Keys and um, this will give me a good reason to do it. So I'm excited because I do know like they're when you like go on their page and like their top songs, like I know yeah. those songs, but yep. I do not know that album. No, not so. at all. I'm so. really pumped. I'm excited to hear him talk about music. Me I know too. he's very, very, very passionate as well. Um, so I'm really interested to see what he has to say and I am looking forward to it. Thanks for listening to Let's Talk Records. Audio engineering is by Emily McLeod and graphics are by Jen Evans.